a word for us this morning. This is something I've actually been working on for quite a while. So if you say, if you hear something today and you go, well, he's, he's pointing this out at me, it's not. Not specifically. <laughs> because I've been working on this for a long time. But I feel like it's something that, that we, we need to hear. We, we need encouragement to continue on. And today I want to talk about, I'm going to title this sermon, Going Forward with Confidence. Going Forward with Confidence. It's one thing to go forward. But we as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ can go forward with confidence. When something bad happens to people, often our first inclination is to think that somehow they deserved it or maybe even that they brought it upon themselves. And, and that can be the case, but it's not always the case. In fact, let's consider a man in the Old Testament named Job. One of the first things that we read about Job is that he was a godly man. And then we read all the horrible stuff that happened. Because in spite of Job's character, being an upstanding, blameless, upright man, when some bad, really bad things happened to him, those around Job, his friends and his wife, and he didn't have anybody else left, all of those people blamed him for the loss of his children, his possessions, and his health. The idea that bad things can happen to good people often rubs people's sense of justice the wrong way, sometimes to the point where they even accuse God of being unfair. No one ever has ever done that that's here. But the truth is this. Even as true believers or born-again followers of Christ, sometimes we go through difficult times. The difference between believers and non-believers during those difficult times is that we as believers know that the Word of God is true. And we know that it tells us in passages of Scripture like Hebrews 13.5 that God will never leave us and He will never forsake us. Now, also in the Bible, we see a reoccurring theme in people's lives, godly people's lives. All throughout the Bible... It begins with something bad happening. And then we see that all through this bad thing that was happening, God was always there. And then down the road a little bit further, we see that all of those events, both good and bad, were all part of God's plan to accomplish his will. And we see that over and over and over in a pattern that takes place in the Bible. Time and time again in the Bible, we see that pattern take place, and I have to believe these examples are there to let us know that even as followers of Christ, bad things can and will happen. But even more importantly, it lets us know that God is present in every situation and that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he never fails, that he never changes, that he is the same yesterday, as he, he's the same today as he was yesterday, and he'll be the same tomorrow as he is today. It lets us know also that he already has a solution in place before we even knew there was a problem. And because of those promises, we don't give up, we don't quit, no matter what the circumstances may look like. We trust God and we go forward with confidence, not confidence in ourselves, but confidence in a God who never fails. And today I want to look at some, at some events in the life of a great man, a great man of God, the Apostle Paul. 
As we look at the events of Paul's life that occurred in the 28th chapter of the book of Acts, I believe it will help us to understand that God can use even really bad things to carry out his loving and perfect will. And I pray, this is my prayer today, that before we leave this place, when we leave this place, we will see more clearly that continuing to go forward and being available and willing to share our faith in situations that are whether planned or unplanned, and in circumstances that are both good and or bad, it will make us more usable for God's purposes. What may seem like an inconvenience or an intrusion into our personal time and space could, be, could turn out to be an incredible moment of expressing our faith to others who are searching for what we have. At some point in our lives, in order to move to that place where God can use us as he wants to use us, we have to realize that he is in control. And that we can be a witness for him in every situation, even though some of the circumstances will be more difficult than others. I love what David Jeremiah said about this. He said, the Bible teaches us that Christ is Lord of all, and that includes the storms that serve his purposes. Even in the storm, he's still in control. If he truly is the Lord of our lives, then he will be Lord when things go good, and he will be, good, he will be there and still be God when things go bad. And if he is truly the Lord of our lives, then regardless of circumstances, we can still go forward with confidence. In Acts 27.1, we read that the Apostle Paul was on a ship. And it's important for us to understand that this was not a Mediterranean cruise. He was on the Mediterranean, but it was not a Mediterranean cruise. No, Paul was a prisoner on a ship that was headed to Rome. Prisoner being the key word there. Prisoner. He was on a ship headed to Rome so he could stand before Caesar. With him on the ship was Luke, who is typically credited with writing the book of Acts that we're reading from today, and as well as another follower of Christ named Aristarchus. And while they were out to sea, they found themselves in a terrible storm. In fact, the storm lasted 15 days. 15 days. I've been out on the water a lot, and we had a lot of boats when I was a little bit younger. And I can tell you that if you were out in a, when I was out in a storm for about two hours, by the time we got back to shore, the storm calmed down, I was a nervous wreck. 15 days? Can't even imagine. During the storm, Paul told the men on the ship, During the storm, Paul told the men on the ship that he had heard from God as to how they could all avoid dying. And because they listened to Paul and did what God said, all 276 people on this ship survived. Let's go to Acts 27, read verses 41 through 44. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken, that's the front of the boat, was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard and get to land. 
The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land in safety. I feel assured that the, the way in which these people survived wasn't really the direction that any of them would have preferred for this story to go. Because it involved them purposely running the ship aground. It involved them jumping overboard at precisely the right time. And it involved them swimming to shore. And not swimming to the mainland, but swimming to a small island that was roughly 50 miles off the coast of Sicily. And I can tell you that if it had been me on the ship, I would have just preferred God calm the storm down and let me go. And that's not what happened. Verse 44 of the 27th chapter of Acts closes with everyone on the ship making it safely to shore, either by swimming, and this is important, either by swimming or propelling themselves on pieces of wood from the broken up ship. Having a piece of wood to float on is a good thing. But here's the thing. The pieces of wood that they were using as life preservers were only available because the ship was destroyed. Without a broken up ship, there was nothing to float on. But God had a purpose in that that ship would be broken into pieces. And that was to save lives. When our plans get broken and things make about as much sense as running a perfectly good ship aground and then jumping off, when those things happen in our lives, we need to remember that there was a purpose in the breaking. And because we trust him, we keep going forward with confidence that his plan is bigger than what we could possibly understand. The ship, that ship probably felt safe to the sailors on board. It was a big ship. There was 276 people on it. These guys were probably very experienced. But if they would have placed their confidence in the ship, they would have all died. Let me say this again, just make sure we got this. God did what only he can do. He broke the ship into pieces so that the men had something to hold on to in order to be saved. And sometimes God has to show us that what we are trusting in, what we feel confident in, is not where our salvation comes from. And sometimes in life, it takes breaking up the ship and getting us out of our comfort zone so that we can place our confidence in him and in his provision. Well, that doesn't sound right. Why would God let something bad happen in my life? The answer is simple. God is more concerned with our salvation than he is our comfort. Author Paul Powell, speaking of God, said this, His goal is not to pamper us physically, but to perfect us spiritually. I'll say it again. His goal is not to pamper us physically, but to perfect us spiritually. In the mind of these sailors, I can guarantee you that this plan was not ideal. But ideal or not, although the ship's 
276 passengers, occupants, were soaking wet. They were exhausted. They were chilled by the continued rain. The Lord had protected and delivered every crew member and every passenger just as he had told Paul. Let's go to Acts chapter 28. Shortly after they were safely ashore, Paul and his fellow travelers realized that they were on the Isle of Malta. And then in verse 2, Luke writes that the islanders, he said, the islanders showed us unusual kindness. So everything's good, right? The storm is over. Everyone is safe. The islanders are friendly and they built them a fire. Now all that was left to do was to build a radio out of coconuts and radio for help. Right? That's what they did on Gilligan's Island. That's not really what happened. Watch this. Considering the weather and the exhausted state of the visitors, the islanders built a fire, and Paul, being a helpful kind of guy, did his part in trying to keep the fire going, and he went out to gather firewood. Little did Paul know that there was a deadly viper that had taken refuge from the weather in the wood that he was placing on the fire. So he's got this big bundle of wood, and in this big bundle of wood is a poisonous, deadly viper. But he found out that it was there when he started to place that wood on the fire, and the snake, probably driven out at that point by the heat of the fire, sunk his fangs into Paul's hand. And verse 4 says this, When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man is a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. And this is why. I mean, it seems that since this man standing in front of them with a deadly viper hanging from his hand was a Roman prisoner, it seemed to be a reasonable conclusion, especially considering the superstitious nature of these pagans. They figured one of the goddesses or gods had had this done to Paul. Of course, Scripture makes it very clear, of course, that God's sovereign will and purposes can be carried out in anything that happens. Watch what happens next. And that means whether it's wonderfully pleasant or horribly devastating or somewhere in between, God is still able to use it. In Paul's case... Here on the island of Malta, instead of his hand swelling up and Paul dropping over dead, like the islanders thought would happen, the Bible says Paul simply shook the snake off in the fire and suffered no ill effects. And then the islanders changed their minds and said, he must be a god. The fact was this, Paul was not a god. The fact was that the true and living God had once again protected Paul, and even more importantly, was that God was still doing all of this for a specific purpose. Back in Acts 23, 11, if we go back several chapters, God had told Paul that, he said, Paul, you're going to testify in Rome of me. And these events showed that neither a shipwreck, a storm, the bite from a deadly viper would keep that from happening. If God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. We can look at that and realize that 
that just because or even in spite of the fact that we are following the direction of the Lord, there is no guarantee that everything will go our way. And there's no guarantee that things will happen just the way we want them to happen. Remember, Paul had been falsely accused. That's why he was on the ship to start with. He was a shipwrecked prisoner who had just been bitten by a deadly snake. There probably isn't any of that narrative that Paul would have asked God to send into his life. I'm pretty sure of that. And the thing that we must keep in mind is that when we are following as the Lord leads us and following where he leads us, regardless of what happens, he's right there with us. Yes, there was a storm. No, it did not calm down. It went on for 15 days. Yes, the ship wrecked, but no one died. Yes, they landed on an island occupied by friendly and hospitable people. But then Paul got bit by a deadly snake. But in spite of that, he just shook it off in the fire. None of those things are good. None of them. But remember this. Surviving your shipwreck will not eliminate all the vipers. But if you survive the shipwreck, you'll survive the viper. Look at someone and say, I survived the shipwreck. I'm going to survive the viper. That's right. If you survive that shipwreck, if you're following the leading of God, you'll survive the viper. I say that with confidence today because there is a thread of commonality that weaves through this entire story, and that is that the Lord was there through every event. When we are truly following God, be assured that he is there regardless of what the circumstances may, might be saying that look otherwise. In Mark 16, 8, 18, we read that Jesus promised that not even deadly serpents could stop his servants from carrying out his will. He also promised in that very same passage that they would place their hands on sick people and they would be healed. And that's exactly what happened next on the island of Malta. How about that? Acts 28, verses 7 through 10. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and we're cured. See what's happening here? They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with supplies, all the supplies we needed. In the same region of the island where Paul and these other castaways were warming themselves by a fire was the home of Publius, the head official of the island. Apparently, it was a very large estate since he graciously provided food and lodging and hospitality for 276 people for three days. My house isn't that big. 276 people for three days. But verse 8 tells us that Publius's father was bedridden with a fever and dysentery. He was likely suffering from what is now referred to as Malta fever. It's a bacterial disease that typically originates in livestock. And here's something that it's important to note. The symptoms of this disease, even with modern medical treatment, can be resilient and prolonged. But thankfully for Publius and his father, 
and those in the household that cared about him, the Lord brought Paul into their lives. How about that? Watch this. It took Paul being accused of a crime that he did not commit and then becoming a prisoner, then being put on a ship to Rome, then surviving a 15-day storm, and then surviving the bite of a poisonous viper, all so that people would look on him favorably, which would then in turn give Paul a chance to minister to Publius' father. That would not have happened without all the other events. Coincidence? Nah, not at all. It was all in God's plan. Not surprisingly, the word of Paul surviving the, the snake bite and then the miraculous healing of Publius's father spread quickly. And before you know it, all the sick people on the entire island came to where Paul was and he prayed for all of them and all of them were healed. Seems these Maltese people were very, very grateful for the blessings they had received. And they showed it by honoring Paul and his fellow travelers greatly while they were on the island. And then when another ship arrived that they could board and go on their trip to Rome, the islanders gave them all the provisions that they needed for their voyage. Just one more sign that God was in complete control in spite of the way things looked three days earlier. For the shipwreck survivors, Malta was not the place they planned on being or the timing that was set forth on their agenda. But God has a way of taking all of life's circumstances and working them for his purposes. Paul was an example of living right smack in the middle of uncertainties, but all the while living in the certainty of his faith in God. And whether it was the storms of the sea or the calmness of the land, Paul was ready to share his unsinkable faith. He shared his faith on the boat. And then when he got to land after the boat was gone, he shared his faith with the people on the island. Remember what God had told Paul in Acts 23, 11. He said, take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. And that meant that whatever happened on the way, God's will would be done, just as he had said, and in his timing. That means when God says you're going to Rome, you're going to Rome. It means you'll make it through the storm. It means you'll make it through the shipwreck. And it means you'll make it through the snake bite. Circumstances do not change God's plan for you. Circumstances do not change God's plan for your life. They're all just a part of the plan. So again, regardless of the circumstances, trust God and continue going forward with confidence. No matter where we find ourselves in life, we can choose to allow circumstances, whether good or bad, to be used for God's purposes. In everyone's life, there will be circumstances and situations that we may not see coming, things that we did not plan for. But if we will allow it to, it is very possible that it is in, it is in these things and in these times that our faith will shine the brightest.
And that's when others will see the light of God through us. Throughout the word of God, we're reminded over and over that God's people can always trust for his protection and provision for their lives. Before he got on that ship, the only part of the plan that Paul knew about was that God wanted him to go to Rome. He had no idea there would be a shipwreck. A shipwreck that would land him on the island of Malta. And life often takes us into unplanned situations. Yet God can and does use those situations for his glory. Paul's experiences here in these scriptures we read today lets us know that just because bad things happen along the journey, it doesn't mean you're headed in the wrong direction. Maybe I need to say that again. Just because bad things happen along the journey doesn't mean you're headed in the wrong direction. I'm not going to say it again. You can get my notes later. It's still true. As horrible as getting bitten by a viper would be, Paul's simple act of shaking it off into the fire led to a whole island hearing about him and everyone who was sick being healed. And far more importantly, it led to everyone hearing about the one who Paul served, and that was Jesus Christ. If you are waiting for all of life's problems to go away and everything to line up the way that you think life should be, exactly the way you think it should be, before you completely dedicate yourself to God, you will never accomplish what he has called you to do. Because in everyone's life, there will be some version of storms, shipwrecks, snakes, and sickness. Let me insert something here that's, that's really important. Although Paul had been falsely accused of insurrection and put on trial in Jerusalem and Caesarea, stay with me here, this is important, he didn't have to accept the ruling of those lower courts in Caesarea and Jerusalem. And here's why. Since he was a Roman citizen, he had a legal right to go to Rome and present his case to Caesar, and this is why he was on the ship. They didn't make him get on the ship. He said, I'm going to get on the ship, and you can't do anything about it. I'm a Roman citizen. I don't have to listen to what they said. I'm going to Rome and present my case to Caesar. Stay with me. Here we go. It was Paul who had insisted. In spite of all things that seemed to say, at this point, what he did, instead of saying, well, this doesn't seem right, you know what? Just take me back to Jerusalem. Put me in prison back in Jerusalem. I'm not going to put up with this shipwreck nonsense. I got on that ship because I was going to Rome. Nobody told me anything about this Malta stuff. Not what he did. And I say that to say this. I believe it's time for some folks to stop making excuses, stop running, Time for some folks to stay on course and continue to go forward with confidence.
Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I'm just not ready. I'm pretty sure Paul wasn't ready for all the things that happened to him either. Paul was a very educated man. He was not just a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was the man way up here. He had a great education. He was taught by some of the greatest teachers of that day. But I will say this. I'm pretty sure there was nothing in all of his schooling that taught him how to deal with shipwrecks, snake bites, how to deal with a plague on an island. And yet, you know what he did? He continued in the direction that he started out to be. Through all of this, it will show us that ministry opportunities can be found at whatever place we are in, but only if we are listening to God and following him as he directs our path. Well, what do you mean by that? I believe too many times we miss opportunities that God places right in front of us to share about him because we're looking somewhere else. God's saying, well, you need to go talk to the Yeah, what I'm thinking over, well, no, over there. But God, I don't see Paul saying, God, you said Rome. You promised me Rome. This is not Rome. Right? Let's say it again. Too many times we miss the opportunities that are right in front of us because we're looking somewhere else. Opportunities to show and to share our faith are occurring around us every day. In the checkout line at the grocery store, in the restaurant, at work or at school, sitting in a doctor's office, waiting on a flight at the airport, God will open our eyes to those opportunities as we begin to respond to the opportunities. There's an author named Jan Johnson wrote this, and I love this. Many believers are rabbit Christians. In the morning, they pop out of their safe Christian homes, hold their breath at work, scurry back to their families and then off to Bible studies and eventually end the day praying for the unbelievers they safely avoided all day. <laughs> Ouch, right? What would happen if every one of us who considers ourselves Christians took at least one opportunity a day to share an act of kindness with someone else? How would the world around us be changed and how would that sharing illustrate the gospel of Jesus Christ in a living form? comes back to discipleship. We should determine to make ourselves available to the opportunities that God places in our lives to share our faith, no matter what they are. Maybe we're at the doctor's office because of a serious illness that we're dealing with. And if that's the case... I will tell you that there are still opportunities, maybe right there in the doctor's office, for us to share an act of kindness. Maybe we're boarding a plane to go somewhere because of a, a horrible situation in our lives. But there are still opportunities on that journey, maybe at the airport or on the plane, to share the gospel. Maybe someone just handed us a big estimate, a repair estimate on our house or our car, and we don't know how we can possibly pay it. Do we ever consider that the person handing us that big repair estimate 
was placed in our life so that we could witness and share the gospel with them. I didn't plan on having to put a roof on my house that was going to cost between ten dollars and $11,000. But when the guy came out to give the estimate, did you like a cup of coffee? I pastor High Point Church. Do you attend church anywhere? I would not have ever met that man had my roof not needed to be replaced and leaked and had stains on the ceiling. Was I glad of my roof leaking and staining my ceiling and needing to spend that kind of money? No, not at all. But in spite of whether I liked it or not, I still took the opportunity to share Christ and to show kindness. In the most peculiar places and at the most untimely moments, God may be nudging you to stop and pay attention to his leading. It might be right after a horrible storm that resulted in a shipwreck that then resulted in you getting bit by a snake. Each experience in life, no matter how small or how monumental, will likely include the potential for you to reach out to others so they can see God and experience his grace. And sometimes it's just a matter of us showing some grace. We were at a restaurant the other night, and we go there a lot. And we had a reservation at 7 o'clock, and we walked in. They came up, and they know Ruthie and I real well. And they said, your reservation's at 7, right? Yeah, seven. Okay, we've got a table. We're going to have it ready in just a minute. You want a glass of sweet tea while you're waiting? Sure. And one of the, the waiters came over. And put his arms around me and hugged me. And he said, thanks for being nice and not yelling at us because your table wasn't ready. I said, well, it's no problem. Why would I do that? He goes, because the lady just did that. <laughs> Sometimes those opportunities that aren't ideal, it's a chance for us to show grace and to show the love of Christ. As we sat at our table, the owner of the restaurant came and sat down with us. And he pulled up a chair and sat down, and we're talking. And they had a film crew that night. They were filming a little documentary thing. And he said, you know, I had to talk to them and talk to people and all of this kind of stuff. And I was thinking, I need to stay on track and say things the right way. But I was afraid I might not say everything exactly right. And then I looked over and saw you, and I thought, I need to make sure I tell the truth here. <laughs> I didn't say anything. But I've shared enough with him that he knows that we pray for him. We pray for his wife. We pray for his business. His wife came to us the other day, and, and she said, maybe, I don't know, maybe Ruthie wasn't there. She said, there's times when I get a little discouraged, but then I think and I know that you and Ruthie are praying for us. Sometimes we just have opportunity to show grace 
Because we can, even in difficult situations. Our faith must be part of who we are as believers all the time, not just when things are going great. Every day, we have choices as to how we will live out our faith. Do we withdraw? Or do we open up to the possibilities of reaching beyond ourselves? Almost every moment of our lives can serve as a conduit of God's ministry to others. God wants to use us in all sorts of ways and in all kinds of places. And knowing that, the question then becomes, will I act when he speaks? And the second question will be, how will I act when he speaks? When we walk into a situation, and I'll close with this, when we walk into a situation, whether it, it seems good or whether it seems bad, it seems like a shipwreck, we don't know how it will end. Be assured that God knows how it's going to end. On many an occasion, when I have talked to people about living in and following the will of God, they have responded with some version of, well, I feel followed by whatever it is they're feeling at the time. Or, well, I'm just going to follow my heart. Let me say this about that, and please listen. It is impossible for us to live in or by our feelings, or to live life following our heart, and then try to live in and follow the will of God at the same time. And here's why. Our feelings are at best temporary. Feelings change all the time. And Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So that follow, I'm just going to follow my heart thing doesn't work well, does it? We are not called to follow our feelings. We are not called to follow our heart. In fact, we are warned against following our heart. But we are assured if we are following the leading of the Holy Spirit not following our, our feelings, not following our heart, if we are following the leading of the Holy Spirit, then just as it was with Paul, we have nothing to be afraid of. And because of that, we can go forward with confidence, knowing that God knows exactly where we are and that everything that is happening is working out exactly according to to his plan and in his timing. I don't know what you're going through today. Maybe you're here today and you're facing, making some big decisions in life. Maybe of your health, your finances, direction, whatever it might be. The one thing that we have to be sure of is that we make those decisions putting Christ first. Had Paul said, first of all, I'm not going to get on that boat. God, I know you said I'm going to go to Rome, but I'm not a big fan of boats, so I'm going to stay right here 
in Jerusalem. He would have died in prison in Jerusalem. Had he gotten to Malta and the next ship that came along a few days later and Paul would have looked at all the events and said we haven't barely got out of sight of where we left and I've already had all this stuff happen I'm going back to Jerusalem had he done that once again he would have died in prison and never accomplished all the things that he accomplished but Paul knew that he was headed in the right direction and no matter what happened good or bad he stayed the course and he did make it to Rome and he did stand before Caesar and that time he was actually acquitted he ended back up there later and ended up in prison but that time he didn't that's just the way God works and I say that to encourage you today that whatever you're facing if you are truly placing God first and if you are truly trusting him Get your eyes off the circumstances. Get your eyes on him. Get your eyes off of people. People will fail you. God will not fail you. Amen. Would you stand this morning if you're able? As the worship team sings this morning, if you would like to come and pray, I think this is an important time of every service that we just gather and find a place to pray. You can come up here and stand and sing and worship. We can worship together up here congregationally. We can pray for one another. And we need that. We need that. You don't know what somebody's been going through this week. They might feel like they have walked through the desert all week long. And today in this service, they're just praying. They find an oasis. You might be that oasis. Would you come and worship and pray as the worship team sings? You're